All right, guys, welcome back to the Be Fit Podcast. I'm your host, Connor Murphy. Hanging out here with my buddy, Jesse Sitaro. Yes, sir. I just want to say that last name wrong. Yeah, people say Sitaro a lot. I got that growing up. It's Sitaro. I want to roll the R for some reason. Sitaro. Okay. okay. Have you, you want to make it like Spanish instead of Italian? What's uh, what's that movie? Um, it's like the best revenge story of all time. The Count of Monte Cristo. Okay. Where he changed his name to Zatara. There you go. I don't know why. I just like think about that. All Have right. you ever seen that movie? I've seen Zorro. Zorro is like the closest to Zorro. Uh, the Count of Monte Cristo. I've is heard of it. Obviously. The best revenge story of all time. Black and white. No. Okay. I mean, not that old. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm really honored to be here with Jesse. Uh, Jesse reached out to me maybe about a month ago. And as a fellow personal trainer, he's the owner of North End Fitness, owner and founder of North End Fitness, mm-hmm. um, uh, personal trainer, you know, super happy to, to meet up with him. And the route that he's going down now has some really, really interesting things, a, a world that I was kind of blind to mm-hmm. for the most part. And not that maybe I was blind to it, but just something that I didn't have a focus on, Yeah, um, which is why he started, which is called Project F. And it works with, um, the, the goal is essentially to bring health and wellness and, and maybe an alternate route to foster kids, mm-hmm. to kids who are in the foster care program. And why it is so close to his heart is because that's the program that he was uh, brought up in. Foster care, yeah. In foster care. or Sorry, not Project F, but, but foster care was, was the world that he lived. Mm-hmm. And there are some staggering statistics. Uh, one that, uh, that he just had in a, in a, like a little docu-series video mm-hmm. that he posted. Um, just watched it. It's incredible. We'll post it in the link here so you guys can have access to see it. But one of the statistics was that 3% of kids that are in the foster program go to college. And there's some other statistics that are a little bit more dark, which I'm, I'm sure we can, you know, we'll, we'll get into that stuff. But um, for someone to go into that and then have success, uh, the, the need and want to give back to that was was something that I thought was really, really cool and why I wanted to uh, continue to get involved and support him in any way we can. But without telling his story too much, with, <laughs> you know, uh, welcome, Jesse, to the show. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. Um, yeah. So piggybacking off of one thing you just said, not only is it only 3% of foster kids ever go to college, it's only 51% even graduate with a high school diploma. So, I mean, we're looking at, that's a, that's a good thing to go to college, but as something that so many people just consider basic necessity for success. I mean, that's, that's even a hard thing for most foster kids to get in and of itself. And that doesn't even touch on, you know, th- there's other staggering statistics like in our state alone in Massachusetts, 35% of foster kids will become homeless immediately the day they turn 18. I mean, foster kids, essentially, they go from home to home. The average foster kid will live in over uh, 14 different homes in their lifetime, never finding a home for a lot of kids um, that's safe and consistent and loving. I mean, I know that was my my experience in the foster care system. Yeah, it's a it's a childhood full of trauma. Um, you don't get removed from your home unless there's been abuse or neglect. And uh, they say that, and this is a statistic you can look up as well. I know you're a military guy, but something that should stagger you is they say that children coming out of the foster care system experience PTSD at twice the rate of combat veterans. I believe it. Yeah, um, it's just the deck is stacked against them a lot against these kids. And like you said. Um, you know that they're out there, you know that there's orphans in society and you know there's kids growing up in foster care and group homes, but it's very rare you actually cross paths with one that hasn't ended up in a really dark place. And that's one of the reasons why I want to do what I want to do because I've been very blessed despite everything that I come from to end up where I have. And I, and much like you, I owe a lot of that to fitness. So, 
Yeah. And I, w- I want to get into that. I want to get into the fitness side of things. I want to get into project F and what you plan on doing. But before that, um, you know, I could walk by North End Fitness and I yes, could sir. see you and I could see, you know, the clients that you have. I could see the incredible gym. I could hear the reputation that you have. And mm-hmm. I could think, oh, this guy, you know, this guy had it figured out. This guy must have had a great upbringing. You know, you can always make those assumptions. However, that wasn't the case, but what, you know, you're, you're an anomaly. Yes, sir. You're an anomaly of the pro or, or of, of foster care. What was the driving force? What was the impetus behind you not becoming that statistic? So I've been asked that question a lot growing up my life and my entire life. And, um, I think I was really, um, I was blessed. So I, I, and when I say that, I mean, even just being born the way I was, I always tested high, high IQ. I always was really intelligent and really resilient. And like, I have a sister who was born with fetal alcohol syndrome because my mother drank during her pregnancy. Like when I look at, you know, even just those fundamental things elements like the way I was born, like I didn't have any control over that. So I give a lot of uh, credit uh, to God for that. Right. But more than that, I, I think that, you know, I was very blessed because I had a mentor that came into my life when I was around 11 or 12 years old and played that role of like a big brother, a mentor to me, kind of like I want to do for these kids. And that really changed the trajectory of my life. And, you know, I, remember growing up in the hometown that I grew up in and I grew up in the outskirts of New Haven, Connecticut. And I just remember, you know, I was, I, there was the good side of town. Then there was the other side of the tracks, which is where I was growing up in. And I just remember even like taking bus rides through the nice part of, you know, the school bus in the morning and seeing like families with two, three story homes, nuclear family, mom and dad, golden retriever. And the way I grew up was just so other than that. And, you know, my mentor, luckily his name's Josh Brooks. He, he came into in my life around, like I said, 11 or 12 and he had that, but he was also adopted. So I think the major difference that, you know, I had clinicians and I had teachers and I had a whole bunch of people in my life growing up. Um, but I think the major difference is that the mentor that I was lucky enough to find at that age had also been through what I had been through. And that was a game changer for me and, and something that, it, is one of the reasons why I now want to go and do essentially what my mentor did for me. And that's help show these kids there is, you know, more to life than what they've experienced. And it's not all trauma, not all bad. And you can still come from these broken homes and these broken situations and still make something really great of your life. Yeah, that was, that was something that I noticed in the video that Josh was talking about. By the way, when, when we mentioned it, when we were eating at, um, at Monument. Yeah. Uh, that name will always be in my head. Just I just remember you saying Josh Brooks and, yes. and I, and I kind of like created... I created an image of him in my head mm-hmm. that was very different than what he yeah. actually looked like. But <laughs> Josh is a character, man. But when I, when I saw that video and some of the things that he referenced and kind of two points here, one is that he was a success story, mm-hmm. but he wasn't someone who, you know, he went through the same thing and that speaks volumes and, and, and whether it's true or whether it's not true, you see two people at the same success level. Mm-hmm. One person went through foster care. One person didn't. This person has more credibility to you. Mm. And they, they show you, hey, I was there and Absolutely. I can get here rather than your road might look a little bit different and you can still get here, which may be true. Mm-hmm. But just having that as a trusted source and having that, it, it that weighs a lot more. Yeah. And think about it in terms of like fitness, right? Like there's a lot of people that get into our industry just because, um, you know, they're genetically gifted and you see it all the time. People that have yeah. always been there and they say, oh, what do you do for a workout? You look so good. And the next thing you know, they get their certification and they just, they're a, cert- they're a certified personal trainer. And now they're taking on clients. 
I have always been of the mindset where I want to see the person that didn't have it together. I want to see the person like the person you had on your podcast a few weeks ago that lost a hundred pounds. I want Slayed, to, yeah. I want to pick their brain. I want to figure out how they went from where they are to where they are now. Those people have always been those underdog stories. Those people that have been through adversity and made it out, they made it out of the darkness into the bright side. Those are the people that I've always been drawn towards and motivated and inspired by. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. A hundred percent. And and then another thing that was interesting to me, and, and maybe this is something I don't think about because I don't know, I don't have any experience in, in mm-hmm. what you and how you grew up. Uh, but what I do, what I can relate to is Josh was saying, it's more than just being like, Hey, you know, I have, it, there's this program that can help you, or I'm here to support, or, you know, I can get you a therapist or I can do all of this stuff. But he was like, make people understand the weight of of picking someone up, taking them bowling, yeah, showing them Absolutely. that they can smile and have fun, 100%. even if it's not this in-depth conversation about life and and the decisions that you're making, mm-hmm. but someone to invest enough into you just to have a good time and yeah. how important that is. And that was where I kind of I kind of took the step back and thinking about what what your goals are mm-hmm. and and how other people can have an influence in it, whether I'm from that or not. Mm-hmm. But just to be like, hey, here's someone who cares about me enough to have some fun. Absolutely. And I don't, it doesn't need to be like, Oh, I, you know, I care about you. And now we're going to talk about your feelings for an hour. Yeah. And you know, that's the thing that I think a lot of foster kids are missing and kids that are growing up in the system is, is, they spend so much time in clinicians in meetings with therapists and with teachers and, you know, group home workers. And what they don't get is they don't get to experience the things a child is supposed to, which is carelessness, which is having fun, which is getting out into the real world and getting to just for, just be a kid. Like most kids, you take that for advantage and take advantage, uh, take that for granted growing up. And these kids, a lot of them don't have that opportunity. And it's, it's really, um, it's really heartbreaking to me. And to be honest with you, I mean, the things that we take advantage like vacations and, you know, going out with your dad growing up as a kid and, you know, maybe playing catch or a lot of these kids will never experience those kind of things. And that's one of the things that I really want to focus on and, and what project F is going to be a gym based program. And we, we're going to talk all about that and the value of fitness and teaching kids, hard work, dedication, discipline, consistency, all the things that fitness teaches and, and helps mold a, uh, a person into, I think that's invaluable. And that's, you you know, it's going to be a gym based program, but it's also going to be, Hey, let's go catch the Red Sox game tonight. It's also going to be, Hey, let's go bowling. Like you just said, it's going to be so much more than just a mentoring program. Like, um, I don't know, big brothers, big sisters. And it's gonna be so much more than just a gym. It's going to be a merging of those two worlds together. And, um, absolutely. I would love to get you involved. Just, you know, people that have the heart that grew up maybe a little bit better than I did to say, like you said, you were just unaware that there's people in our own community that are going through this kids due to no fault of their own, just getting people involved that want to help these kids is 100% something that I want and I'm looking for once this gets going. Yeah. And it's, I think that's incredible. And I think what a lot of people can relate to in, in us talking is sure. Like fitness is great and sure. Like there's, you know, all of the positive things that can happen from it as yeah. far as, you know, you know, this, this wave of chronic disease that we're seeing, Oh yeah. but there's so much more to it. And what people can relate to is, I didn't, you know, I didn't grow up the same way, but fitness had a similar impact on you as it did to me. Yeah. You know, what I went through was, was way different. Tell but, me about your journey a bit. Cause I've, I've gotten to listen to your podcast, but I've never got to actually have a conversation with you about it. So, um, I mean, I grew up 
my you know, parents dated in high school. Because we're both 33. They say, yeah. And we grew up very differently, but both ended up in the same world. So I'm always yeah. curious to pick other people's brains. Um, again, not, you know, not as much, you know, there's, there's probably some like smaller stories involved yeah, yeah. in it, but you know, went, went to high school and a, um, you're an athlete, right? Yeah. I mean, quotations yeah. on it. You know, I played like football, baseball and basketball, yeah. but I wasn't, you know, I wasn't going to go. You weren't Craig Kenny. Yeah. yeah. You, weren't, <laughs> you weren't breaking all of your whole, your high school records, passing, kicking, rushing, all that stuff. He probably could, he probably still can like beat every record yeah. from every, that guy's absolutely. an absolute animal. So absolutely. We, Shout out to Craig Kenny. We, we went to the same high school together. We have a mutual friend, um, Craig, who now runs a uh, CrossFit Branford yeah, down in Branford, Connecticut, yeah. as well as CrossFit Madison's, the okay. new affiliate in, in Madison, Connecticut. Yeah. He's doing big things. He's just, animal. he's a beauty. Yeah. He's um, a good guy. We never really got to, he was a great above me. We never really got to, um, uh, build a relationship, but you know, we played on the same football team and all that stuff and have yeah. the same coaches and the same, we're from a small shoreline town. So, uh, when he was just being himself, he was really well known. And it's one of those kids that you look up to as like the all-star jock when you're an underclassman. So it's funny that, you know, we're a world apart over here in a big city and we're both, you know, the same people. Like, yeah. That. Um, so I, I enlisted in the Navy. Mm. That was kind of all I really wanted to do. Josh was in the Navy, by the way. I don't Josh Brooks was? Yeah. I didn't know that. He was a Navy man. Yes, sir. Um, and I ended up, you know, I'd spent however many years in, ended up suffering an injury that, that kept me from doing, um, kept me from doing the job that mm -hmm. I wanted to do. And even after it kind of being promised after I had a surgery and that everything was going to be good and I'd be cleared for this, uh, it just didn't end up working that way. And what was the job? Can I ask? Uh, in special operations. Okay. Yeah. And, um, and I was kind of lost after that. And I was doing a lot of CrossFit to regain functionality of my elbows. Mm. And it was like, Hey, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm utilizing this to get back to the job that I wanted to do. And then when I, when I wasn't, you know, cleared, it was, I don't know what I'm going to do. So mm. I was lost. And the only thing that I had was this, this tool that I was using to get back to where I was, not not realizing that that could actually be something where I could you know find a new career path in. Uh, I ended up taking the CrossFit Level One Certificate course. Mm -hmm. it was like, hey, I, you know, I really like this. Maybe people want to you know listen to my journey of like regaining functionality and kind of demystify some of the things that people thought they knew about CrossFit but really didn't understand. Yeah. And from there, you know, after after a while of feeling sorry for myself or feeling like the world owed me something. And then you very quickly realize that, you know, that it doesn't. Yeah. Um, I just started coaching and I started training more mm -hmm. and I just used that. That became now my base, whether I was doing the right things or the wrong things outside of fitness, mm -hmm. that was always the, the base that I could come back to. And then it, um, transformed my world, yeah. saved my life in in many different ways. And now I, you know, I have the, the ability to, give that back to anyone and everyone. You know, it's not just, oh, I'm at the point now where I train, you know, athletes or yeah. I only train this. It's like anyone who wants to listen, anyone who's like, hey, I want to improve the quality of my life through fitness. Yeah. You know, I can I can hopefully help them out. Let me ask you this question. So there's people in our industry like uh, Stacia Patwell. I don't know if you're familiar with her. She's <laughs> a um, trainer. She's actually from Boston. She um, moved out to um, uh, California and she became a spin cycle instructor and, you know, struggled with, uh, drugs and alcohol and things. No, I think it was mainly alcohol. She struggled with alcohol. Um, and she, um, really leaned into comedy and was always funny and had friends in the comedic world. And then during the pandemic, she, um, <clears throat> she ended up uh, starting like a zoom thing and it took off and she ended up um, having a few clients that were like pretty 
famous uh, female celebrities that shouted her out on things like Joe Rogan. And she just was on Burt Kreischer. And now she's got this thriving business, kind of not overnight because she put her dues in. But something she talks about is like um, imposter syndrome and how, you know, like same thing with me. Like I, I remember when I started doing really well in this industry, like because of the way that I grew up, um, I never thought that I would make as much money, do as well as I've done, have as much peep connections with people and kind of like, and you're at a, you're, I, re, I mean, I admire you and look up to your career. And you, like you said, this was never the thing that you thought you were going to make your living out of. And now here we are at big night life and you've trained all these, we're at big night and you've trained all these celebrities and like, I mean, just the life that you've built is, I mean, I look up to I mean, people look up to me. I look up to you, man. Um, I will say, and I think I was just talking about this yesterday. I still a hundred percent. I don't know if suffering from that is something, but like joke about it, but it's a real thing. The imposter syndrome. Yeah. I always feel like, and especially when I get these really so unique humble. opportunities that someone is going to come up and be like, Oh no, no, no. I actually know this guy yeah. and he doesn't get any of this yeah. and they're going to take it away from me. And then I'm going to be like, all right, well it was fun while it lasted. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I truly have this, like this feeling where, I'll get like a message from someone that has a really cool opportunity. And I'm like, why? Why me? Why is it like, this is super unique and it's, it's really cool. Yeah. And at some point in time, yeah, there's just going to be that, like that, that someone who comes up and they're like, Hey, Hey guys, this isn't, yeah, you, yeah. this isn't who you think it is. You get, yeah. This is some military guy. He's yeah. not a elite trainer or something like that. You know what I mean? Even like, that, I mean, even like with like the military stuff, you know, there were guys that, that did, you know, years and, and a thousand, you know, some of my best friends that are, some of the most decorated, yeah. just unbelievable sailors, soldiers, and they're not getting some of the similar opportunities yeah. that I'm getting. I'm like, why? Like, I didn't, you know, I wasn't anything special in here. Yeah. Like, sure, I, I found out that I could get my ass kicked really well. Yeah. It's going to be very difficult for you to make me quit anything. Like, yeah. like that's kind of what I learned. But yeah, I absolutely feel that. And I could imagine, especially coming from an area that with the foster care mm. program where you're like, I mean, you, you have similar feelings of that, about that? I do. I, I think fitness is a really interesting thing. And I mean, you could speak, and that's why I'm so excited to be here, by the way, just because it's so cool to sit down with another successful personal trainer and just like chop it up. Because I don't really, I'm always the trainer in the room. So it's really cool to have another person in here like this. Um, but I think the cool thing about our industry is that um, it, as cool as bicep curls and pull-ups and stuff are, right? It's the people. And, and I, we offer we offer motivation, we offer accountability, we offer programming, education. And, you know, even though we probably deal with different populations of people or clientele, what everybody needs is they need um, connection. And I think that personal training is something that, you know, for your clientele, there's people that um, are used to just having, they're just used to having a team and a support around them that, you know, kind of help them. And I think for me, being able to be that person has kind of made me feel important and made me feel valuable. And I don't know, we have a, we really stumbled into a, a, a really amazing thing with fitness and being trainers. And sometimes I, I worry about the same thing too. I'm like, you know, I worry that sometimes I'm going to get it taken away from me or that I don't deserve to wake up, you know, in my dream, you know, neighborhood and go work my dream job with my dog and listen to my favorite music and charge what I charge. And it's just like coming from where I come from. I never thought I'd make it out of my hometown, let alone go to college, open a small business, you know, create a community and, you know, just live a really travel the world and, you know, live a good life off of something that I genuinely enjoy just like you. And 
So I don't know. I was just curious to pick your brain about that. Cause you've, I mean, you've gotten to a level it's even higher. Yeah. I own a small business and stuff, but I've never worked with the names and the things that, and done the things that you have. And I'm like, wow, that's so impressive. I mean, it's a big chance yeah. thing too. Yeah. And we look up to people too. I'm sure you look up to people like Eric Cressy and all those guys. It's like, there's always people that, yeah, there's always people we're always going to be looking up to just like athletes or other entrepreneurs, you know? Yeah. I mean, always, always something you can learn from everyone. Always yeah. something you learn from your clients. Always something you learn from other trainers. Who do you look up most to in this industry? In the training industry? Yeah. Um, I really, so I get a chance to work with a guy, his name's Chris Hinshaw. Okay. And he does a lot of programming. He came from an endurance background okay. and then started incorporating that into CrossFit and kind of filling a void that wasn't quite as uh, significant in CrossFit training. Mm -hmm. And I, I just that he he thinks in a different way about, about how to train, um, you know, from like a powerlifting side of things. Mm. I've gotten to work with, uh, this is all like through Reebok, not like I like get to call these guys up and stuff, but, um, but Mark Bell and Jesse mm. Burdick. Yeah, 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 I know Mark, but I don't um, know him personally, but I know of him. And like through my job at Reebok, so through just coaching at Reebok, I got a chance to, to meet these guys and you get this. Mark Bell's like slingshot, Mark Bell. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. and he, um, uh, I mean, just an incredible human. And you, yeah. you know, you look at the path I that they, to his podcast too. He's good. You know, the path that they went down as well to get to where they are. Like everyone's like, Oh, you know, shit must be pretty sweet over there. And you know, in California, and it's like, like everyone has their own journey. Everyone has the struggles that they get through. And you know, for, for Mark Bell, when he created the, you know, the slingshot and now what he had, you know, he's bigger. got his hip circles and knee sleeves and he has all of these different things. I thought about him through a bigger, faster, stronger. Do you remember that? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so those are a couple of, I mean, I'm sure there's, there's some, there's some people that I'm missing here. Uh, really, really good friend of mine. His name's James Hobart. Okay. He's in the, he's in the CrossFit world and he's, uh, he'll never let anyone never lead anyone to believe exactly how smart he is. Mm -hmm. Like everyone would be like, Oh man, that guy's smart. And you're like, he's got, you he's know, got more in there. Than yeah. 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 <laughs> and it's, uh, it's, I think I learn a lot of humility from him. I'm not, I'm not quite batting a thousand on that. You yeah. know, I've, you, you seem know, like a really flows humble, great person though. Well, it's, it comes a lot from learning from, from guys like James, people yeah. like Austin and Denise, who I got a chance to work with at, at, uh, Reebok a lot in, in like the CrossFit space and that, but mm. I mean, everyone, the clients that I have, a uh, guy who came on here, uh, Dan DeStefano, mm -hmm. everyone calls him Pickles. Yeah, I was listening and to that podcast. Yeah, he, you know, he does, it's very different from what I'm doing with like the, um, with Barry's boot camp, but mm -hmm. he's also training CrossFit. He's just like his care and, and networking for other people. You know, I got to learn a ton from mm -hmm. people like, it's just anyone who I, I get a chance to listen to. And it's like, you can kind of choose some of the things like, Hey, I really respect that. And that person, I want to emulate that. I want to be more like that. Yeah. Do you know who uh, made me want to become a personal trainer? Who? Do you remember Elliot Hulse? Yo, Elliot? Uh -uh. He was like one of the first major, like, uh, so he was the person that when I first, I had a roommate named Emilio in college and, uh, he was ripped. He was one of those kids just genetically gifted, worked out hard. And I was, I gained the freshman 15, my freshman year in yeah. college. And so he would walk down the hallway with his shirt off, just like ripped six pack abs. And like all the girls would look as he walked out and he sometimes they'd come knock on our door and I'd look through the people and I'd see, uh, you know, pretty college girls. And I'd be like, oh yeah, they wanted, they, they wanted me to hang out with them. And I'd open the door and I'd be like, Hey, is Emilio here? And I was like, shit, right? <laughs> 
<laughs> so I was like, I want that. Like, obviously, because I'm looking in the mirror and I got the fi- the freshman 15. So the first thing I did, I bought some muscle magazines at like the local corners. This was before like the internet was like the internet. It's like 2007. You yeah. Know? Um, I think I maybe had just d- uninstalled MySpace and was starting to get like a Facebook. This is like the baby days. <laughs> but I remember YouTube was starting to blow up and I l- think I literally looked up like how to get in shape on YouTube and Elliot Hulse was one of the first people that popped up and I really idolized him and I, I mean I still do to this day he just started a podcast and I've been listening to that but he's been around now he's got staying power he's been relevant for I don't know 15 20 years now at this point and uh he was the thing that I really appreciated about his um, approach to fitness is he talked about like the spiritual aspect of it and how you know it's deeper than doing you know deadlifts and squats it's you know when you're squatting, it's an analogy for life. It's about standing back up after something heavy takes you down. Mm-hmm. Like he was really, really deep when it came to that kind of stuff. And I, it always activated in something in me that I really liked and it motivated me, you know? Um, so shout out to Elliot Hulse. He's the, I remember he followed me and this, you don't even know who he is. And this is how big, this is why I mean, like you've had such the people that reach out to you and message you, I, I'd be like starstruck, you know, no, but he followed me on Instagram and I think he, and I was like, I made it, you know, like my idol, it follows me. And he shout, he liked one of my things one time and I was so excited. And this is a guy that nobody knows, but he made me want to be a trainer because I just love the way his brain worked and the way he was, he spoke, you know, he used to talk about breathing into your balls and like speaking from like a place of authority and everything he did was just so spiritual. Like, I, yeah. I don't know. But so, uh, Say Elliot, what you just. yeah, yeah. He was like <laughs> just a, just a man's man, but also a great father. So shout out to Elliot Hulse. He's one of the reasons I ended up uh, falling in love with the fitness industry. Yeah. But he was one of those guys. That's awesome. Yeah, man. That was, um, it reminded me to think, uh, again, another guy that we did like a virtual podcast, Corey yeah. Gregory, Okay, who was just, he's been on like the cover of every like muscle mag thing, just like jacked. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, it, it kind of leads to the next point here. Yeah. He was like light years beyond what I was doing at the time. I was still like kind of competing in CrossFit when I met him. Mm-hmm. Well, not kind of, I was competing in CrossFit in like 2015. He came into Reebok and we, we, you know, we started to you know chop it up a bit and same thing. He follows, followed me on Instagram, mm-hmm. would like, like, and comment on things and I think verified account all it that used stuff. to be, Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, what yeah, it used to be, I think that, I think the world of Instagram has changed and you know, I don't want to like sit here and complain about something. I, but, I do. I'm mad. I'm upset with Instagram, but you could, you know, you'd, I'd, I'd post something that was cool mm-hmm. and then other people would like repost it mm-hmm. and then their followers would then follow. It's like, you could, you could be like, this is cool. Like it seemed like there was so much more support mm. rather than now people don't want to accept collaborations from other people and like different followings. God, and yeah. Corey was one of those guys who would repost the stuff, would post on his story. Same with like Mark Bell, they yeah. throw the stuff on there and it's like, people don't realize, especially at that level, the level of these just absolute legends that are yeah. just, I mean, the top tier in the training world yep. and respective disciplines they give you a shout out like that can change. Yeah, that can make a absolutely. lot of really, really big changes. In your absolutely. Life. I think people absolutely. are like really hesitant to do that. People, I, are, I don't you know. understand that. That's like, that's the poverty mindset. And there's a few people, uh, Joe Rogan talks about this a lot where he's talking about like people look at success, like a, like it's like a pie and that there's only so many slices to go around. And it's just not the way it is, man. Mm-hmm. In fact, we should be supporting each other and lifting each other up, especially in, in markets like fitness, because it's not about us. It's about helping as many people as we yeah. can. Like we, I didn't, I didn't invent a deadlift. Mm-mm. There's no reason I'm not going to tell you how to do a deadlift properly because I want to keep it for me and Mike. Like it, it's just nonsensical, man. We need to be supporting each other and building each other up. And I totally see where you're coming from. And I see that too, actually, now that I think about it. 
And I love, you know, I, I have a lot of respect for the people that do that. And again, sometimes it takes me saying this stuff out loud to realize where I can be better. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, I need to be, maybe I need to set the example yeah. instead of it being like, oh, you know, why aren't these guys, you know, I, I, um, Alex Williams set me up with, uh, with Mike Van Wick mm-hmm. who, um, uh, works with Drake did, oh, cool. d- did some like, uh, like close personal protection in that world. He's not like real big about like talking about his life in there, but yeah. just really, really, you know, unique and good trainer and like the bodybuilding side of things different for me, but like he was all for it, you know, like lifting yeah. you up. I mean, like you look at him, you're like, okay, this guy probably doesn't want to repost. I know anything. who you're terrifying about, the big guy. muscular tattooed guy. Giant man. I, I've seen him recently on my, uh, my TikTok actually. Yeah. Like super, super With supportive Drake. and was like really, really like, like kind. We sat here for what was it? Two hours talking just like on yeah. a podcast. It's just like oh, no way. really unique. And I think I need to, uh, and you guys can call me out on it if it's not happening, but like, I see something cool. It doesn't have to be contrived. It's yeah. not like, oh, I'm just going to go now repost a hundred trainers things, but mm-hmm. things that I relate to in that it's like, let's lift each other up. Let's yeah. do that. Because like you said, not pieces of a pie. I said this on the last podcast. It's like, there's enough to go around. Yeah. There's enough people who need training. Yeah. Tenfold. Yeah. It's a matter of every, maybe, dude, look at the, everybody needs it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're, you're a trainer. I'm sure you every, have coaches. Yeah. Like everybody, I'm a, I'm a trainer and I have a coach. Like it's I, for me, it's sometimes I just want to be able to shut my brain off when I, when I'm, I've been in the gym telling people what to do all day. Sometimes, sometimes I just want to shut my brain off and be told what to do. I mean, in the accountability and the motivation and all that stuff, the reason why people hire us, like we could benefit from those same services as well. You know what I mean? So that's it. Yeah. Tom Brady has a coach. I mean, come on, I was about man. To say that <laughs> the too. greatest of all time has coaches. Michael Jordan had a strength coach. Like, uh, you look, there's no reason that, you know, that people shouldn't be, yeah, we can get into that forever. We could talk about the benefits of training and stuff, but that's a never ending conversation. It is, it is unique because the two different sides of training yeah. is like the actual working out. Yep. And then when you uh, obsess about the passion and want to give back as a coach. Yeah. And I think both of those things are very profound and there's not, I think that's one of the, I try not to speak in absolutes. Mm-hmm. Mm. I do it all the time, but I try not to speak in absolutes. However, I, there's not a single person who can't benefit from training. Yeah. There's not a single person who's like, oh, check the box. I'm yeah. fit now. Yeah. Everyone. Talk, everyone. talk to me about, because this is a cool opportunity, man. Like, talk to me about your like training modality and like your philosophy with how you program your clients and stuff. I've all, I'm always curious to pick other trainers' minds and we have a cool opportunity to do it here. Um, it depends on the client. Yeah. It depends on what they're doing. You know, I'll... The workouts, for the most part, you know, like my my training background and what I do is all is is CrossFit. Okay, it's constantly varied functional movement at high intensity. Do you work in like movement patterns, or do you? How do you set up your? Um, do you do like a push day and a pull day, and, or do, or does it different because it's more like a wad style? Or so a lot of times for the for like the meat and potatoes of CrossFit programming. Yeah, because I don't is, have a CrossFit cert, so is um, there's a lot of complementary movement patterns in order to gain high intensity. So for instance, like a cra- classic CrossFit workout is a workout called Fran. It's t- uh, reps of 21, reps of 15, reps of nine of a barbell thruster at prescribed weight, 95 pounds for mm-hmm. gentlemen, 65 pounds for ladies. So a full squat into a press overhead. Yeah, yeah, like a thruster. And then, yep, and then pull up. So it's 21 of each, 15 of each, nine of each. Okay. Best in the world can do it in two minutes. You know, your, your goal is to try to get someone between like a, like a five and eight minute yeah. window there. So there's, it's universally scalable. You know, you can always scale the weight. If there's injuries, you can scale from instead of a squat to just do a push press. If there's mm-hmm. something overhead, then they can just do a squat. You know, there's yeah, m- yeah. infinite ways to do that. And then the effectiveness of high power output workouts and the intensity is, you know, that's what 
garners the results that, that most people are looking for. Mm -hmm. However, if it's, you know, someone who is just trying to regain functionality, so they're looking for functional competency. It's like if my, you know, my, my grandma wants to be able to sit down on the couch and stand mm -hmm. as much as I want to get back to squatting, you know, three or four or five or five. Yeah, yeah. Whatever weight. We still need this to do the same thing. We still need to squat. It's just going to look a little bit different. Yeah, of course. So for my grandma, she might be you know, sitting down to a chair, standing up and, and raising her arms overhead, putting yeah. two expo markers over her head. Yeah. Or then grabbing a set of rings for her pull-ups and, and pulling herself in. Mm. And so that would be, yeah, that'd be a complementary movement yeah. pattern. You know, the, the push, as soon as you're done pushing, now all of a sudden you have to do pulling. And mm. then as soon as you're done pulling, then you can do pushing, which maximizes the intensity. Yeah. And then, you know, you, you kind of set, we kind of start to figure out where people are weak. And what I do for training isn't really specialized. When I've worked with professional athletes, my goal, I don't, I don't take my lacrosse guys and, and work on stick movement. Like, I don't know anything about that. Mm -hmm. What I do know is that I can make someone a better athlete by taking their weakness and then making it a strength. Yeah. I had an athlete who tore his hamstring. I don't know. It was like in 2016, mm -hmm. maybe. And just never really fully recovered from it. But as you know, athletes are just absolutely incredible and in how they can, you know, how their bodies can, can morph and, and, and do things to still be an athlete. Yeah. But he couldn't do a lunge body weight with his heel on the ground. Yeah. He had to shift forward into his toe so he can use his quads to press him back up. He'd never really regained any sort of strength capacity in his hamstrings. So he wasn't squatting, he was crouching. Uh, I mean, like the squat, it was, it was more so just the lunge position where, cause you can still, I mean, it was, we were still squatting below parallel. We we're still okay. getting a squat in. It was just like, it was just so anterior dominant. Okay. And once we realized that it's like, Hey, we got to work a lot more. And like he could, you know, we could deadlift with a trap bar, but if we were to put his shoulders over the bar to really load the backside of his body, yeah. really, really struggling and, you know, created more, mu more core musculature, created mm -hmm. more engagement in the posterior chain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now he's playing the best lacrosse he's played in his life. Awesome. And you're like, e I don't know. I don't, I, you know, I could probably from a physiology, from an anatomy and physiology standpoint, like give you some ideas why, mm -hmm. but in the other sense, like, I just don't care. Yeah. I don't care why. Yeah. The fact that we found a weakness, we made it better. And then we got into that. So with the private training thing, I think that's, that's kind of the focus, depending on what someone's goals are. Exactly. If someone's looking to get stronger, it's going to be more of a heavy, more of a strength program while still doing the metabolic conditioning component. Mm -hmm. Because if then, you know, if I only have someone for an hour, I yeah. want to try to get the best bang for their buck there. One of the things that I, not that I struggle with, but I kind of lean away from, and that's because I'm a personal trainer, not a CrossFit coach. Mm -hmm. Like, and you can be both. Right. But one of the things like I've always had this mentality where I'm not going to charge a client to watch them run around the block. Like, you know, I'm not going to charge a client to watch them do burpees. I'm not going to charge a client to do those kind of things. So I, I really tend with my training modality. I'm old school, golden era, uh, bench squat, deadlift, mm -hmm. getting clients powerful, activating comp big compound lifts, things that burn a lot of calories, but also build a lot of muscle efficiently, like you're talking about. But one thing that CrossFit really, um, I used to like a lot of people with, you know, edu substantial education and, and exercise science. I kind of used to poo poo CrossFit, but then I tried a couple classes and they kick your ass, man. Like, um, I'm strong as an ox, but I mean, the things that you're talking about, I'd be slow at. And that's because, uh, you know, that's not what I've built myself for. And, you know, once again, going back to what your goals are at one point, I just wanted to be the strongest person in the room. And mm. I started, uh, that was, that was my only focus. And I did a lot of powerlifting, a lot of strongman style training, but you know, uh, trying to run, uh, you know, 10 miles probably would have killed me. You know what I mean? But yeah. if you gave me that, you know, that, 
that bench press and told me to bench 350, I was able to do that. You know what I mean? So yeah. that was, it kind of, that's the fun thing about, like you said, our training is that you, the client comes to you with what their goals are and you, and you build a program for them based off of that. If a client wants to get better at running, like I might be more opt to say, go hire a run coach. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or if a client wants to get super shredded and, you know, maybe not be this, the most powerful version of self, I might say, go, let me introduce you to my buddy who I think CrossFit might be a better idea for yeah. you. But there's so much different things. I've kind of been leaning more towards like, I don't know, like Ben Bruno's gotten me more into like a lot of the unilateral, like single, single limb stuff. I, I really like that. Cause there's a lot of like fine muscle integration and a yeah. lot of my clients work desk jobs. So they lose a lot of like balance and stability and all that fun stuff. But yeah, we could talk about fitness forever. Right? And it's cool to be yeah. sitting here with another trainer in, in the actual, you know, the, the coaching piece of it. It's cool think, too, because I don't think a lot of people get to hear trainers talk about stuff like this behind the scenes. Yeah. And it's, you know, there's, you know, there's, there's a thousand ways to skin a cat, as yeah. they say which is now that you think about it, kind of a weird saying, but <laughs> um, you know, people will come back to a trainer for usually two reasons yes, and one, one above the other. Yeah. It's and, not even fitness. And this is, yeah, it's, it's not even fitness. Some of the best train. And, and I don't want to say this saying that they don't know what they're doing, mm. but some of the most successful, successful and success in a matter of can't take on any more clients because yep. they're just s simply too busy. And, the retention of their clients. That's I how I would say successful would be. This. It's like, they're just like, people want to be around them. Yeah. They, they're invested into them. My, my ex was, I mean, the families, it was like, we, we couldn't go a week without being like invited to dinner with their families. They just wanted to be around her because she was invested yeah. and she cared so much about their results. Yeah. Now also because she was a great trainer, yeah. she was able to have these connections and get them their results. Yeah. And then you know, it's not just a one-on-one -on -one private in-home training because they're like, all my friends are coming to this because they're wondering what I'm doing because yeah. I'm seeing these results. And, yeah. and it's like that, that care component. This is so huge. I think for up and coming trainers too, and trainers that are struggling because there are so many trainers in our industry that struggle. Yeah. You, the, could, you could have 19 certification certificates, yeah. have, have a, a doctorate yeah. in, in human movement, anything. Yeah. yeah. But if, if you don't, if you're not fun to be around yeah. or if you're not, you know, if you can, you can add five pounds to a client's squat that won't matter to them as much as you remembering their kids' names and that they had a soccer game this weekend and asking them about their kid's soccer game. That first moment they walk into the gym, Yeah, you know, it's, it's the people skills. It's caring about people more than you do about shoulder presses or bicep curls or tricep extensions. It's caring about your clients, knowing their partner's name, what their partner does for a living, what, you know, your client's interests are talking, saying, Hey, I, I listened to some of that artists you were talking about last time that I never heard before. I love this song and this song, you know, and they glow because they could tell that you care about them. And that's the biggest thing I think a lot of trainers lack is like you said, you could have 19 certifications, but if you're shit with people, you're going to really struggle in this industry. You have to care about people more than you do, you know, um, you know, getting five pounds onto a client squat. Cause if the reality is if they're consistent and the programming's right, that's just going to come naturally anyways. Mm -hmm. Um, and then sales, sales skills is huge in our industry. And it's something people don't talk about. Like if you're not comfortable asking a client, like, Hey, this is what you want. This is how much it costs. You're going to really struggle too. Cause I've seen people that are great with people. I've seen trainers in this industry that are really good with people. And I've seen trainers in this industry that can also, that are really good with the fitness side. But when it comes to, you know, saying, okay, you know, this is how many, this is how much, this is your goals. This is how long it's going to take. This is what the cost is. Like a lot of people, there's a lot of, you know, this, a lot of people in the industry will start off. They'll train clients for free. They'll do all types of things that just to sabotage their business and show less um, value in their own service. And so having sales skills, I think sales skills and people skills are kind of simultaneous. Like they work hand in hand, mm -hmm. but I don't know. 
know, I've always like thought of those three things working in collaboration with each other. So if you want to be an elite level personal trainer, like you're talking about with just not having enough hours in the day to sell any longer and a wait list of clients, you have to be good at sales. You have to, it's a, the entrepreneur side of it too. You always have to be growing your business and a small business like personal training. Like if you're not growing, you're can't shrinking. replicate yourself. Yeah. So you can't, there's only so many hours in the day to yeah. sell. So the entrepreneur side, the people skills, and then obviously the fitness is the thing that people are coming to us in the first place for. But yeah, it's really cool to sit and talk to another trainer about this. I think pairing the sales skills, cause I've never really thought about it as sales as much as knowing your worth. Yeah, exactly. And what I always try to explain to people is what, like, don't think, Hey, this is too much for me to charge unless you don't believe in that. Mm. But there's been times where I have set and it's, and it's been different for different people. Yeah. But there was a time when it was like, Hey, this person, X person, I want you to train my daughter. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it was a person that worked for the company mm -hmm. and, and it got to the point I was like, I don't have a lot of time. Mm -hmm. However, this is the price that I charge. This mm -hmm. is the price that's going to have me excited, motivated in order to do this. Cause I have a million different things going on. Yeah. And then it was, and it came back and it was like, well, that's, that's pretty expensive. I've met you know, other trainers who are doing this. And I was like, Hey, if you want to go to other trainers, I'm okay with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I can even direct you to some people that'll do like some similar things. Yeah. But I charge the same for an artist, for a professional athlete too. And this, uh, this woman's daughter wanted to play volleyball. And so it was like, okay, five times a week, here's mm -hmm. what we're going to do. And I'm like, all right. And then of course it's like one of those scenarios where after two weeks I like, I become just as invested, if not more. And like, yeah. you know, this, this girl who, you know, as she's growing up, like loses some coordination with her, with growth. And then now she's like getting better at all these different things. And it's a training program that I've worked with other lacrosse players, but I've gained from, you know, from trial and error of, of doing CrossFit and, and learning from the aerobic capacity side from Chris Hinshaw on, well, what is the goal of your athlete? What is your athlete going to be doing? Yeah. You know, even John Wellborn, he ran this program called CrossFit football. Then now it's a power athlete. Mm -hmm. He still has his program. He's down in Austin, Texas. He played football for uh, Kansas city and then also for the Patriots for a while, just the largest human being in the world, mm -hmm. but got into the CrossFit side of things in like 2007, 2008. But when in his seminar, he's like, if you're training football players, yeah. why would you ever have them run any further than this? And it's yeah. like, that's not what you're training them for. Like it's specialized training mm. all of the, and he had these like really specialized things, which I've taken that from power athlete yeah. and, and then, create a program. Now, again, nothing I've done, I invented. Yeah, exactly. It's all been from other people who have trained in different sports and I've got to take it, kind of make my own version of it. Mm -hmm. And then how I apply it is really what people are, would be interested in. But yeah. however, with that, with like the price thing, some people are like, well, I don't want to say a price. And then they say no. Yeah. It's like, I think you've got to be okay with saying, I was like, just about to say, you can't think that way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah with anything, it doesn't matter whether you're selling fitness or you're selling, you know, anything you have to be comfortable with rejection. And it's never an hour. People are like, oh, they're paying, you know, whatever amount of dollars per hour. Yeah. And it's like the, the hour before the class that we're, you know, yeah. going over, setting up the equipment, the breakdown afterwards, the, the nutrition side of things, the, yeah. the programming and the workout. How do you when approach nutrition? Cause you're not a certified nutritionist, are you? Nope. Okay. So you just, do you have to, cause I'm always really anxious about that where I will say, well, 
because we can't legally write anything out for. I mean, I I, I will only speak for myself. But you can write recommend. You can recommend. Yeah, I, could say, I was gonna. I was gonna say what yeah. what I would eat if I were you and trying to lose this weight. What I would do if I. Yeah, we can't you know, prescribe anything. Yeah, to someone. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. That's one thing that that's another cert that I think I'm gonna try to get. Or, or is I'm very because nutrition is a big component of it, and I tell my clients all the time, like, listen, I'm gonna make you really fucking strong, and we're gonna get you the hard work, dedication, discipline, consistency. We're gonna get all the characters that you're gonna get out of this is gonna help you become a better version of yourself, but you can undo all the hard work you're doing in the gym by not following it up outside of here. Mm -hmm. The workout's 4% of your day. It's the other 23 hours that are really what the client's going up against. And, um, nutrition's a big part of that. And we could talk about that forever as well. But yeah. How do you, how do you go about keeping clients accountable with like Stacia Patwell? I know she does like uh, groups of, uh, clients in like four or five and they are like little, you know, girl mm -hmm. accountability, their accountability, uh, accountability groups where they send each other their steps every night. And how do you go about that with your clients? Do you have a special? Cause I'm curious to see, I, I, that's definitely, I make clients really strong, but I struggle with, I have so many clients that it's a, it can be challenging to be on top of all, you know, 30 of them or however many I have at any mm -hmm. given time when they're outside of the gym. How do you manage that? Um, there's, you know, we, we give a nutrition lecture at the CrossFit level one and mm -hmm. at the level two certificate course. And as opposed to it being like, Hey, here's what you need to do. Yeah. It is. Here's some waves. It's like, here's the problem. Yeah. And you know, kind of the main focus is on the main issue that we're seeing is hyperinsulinemia. There's too much insulin in the blood, but it's coming from refined processed liquid carbohydrates that are spiking our blood sugar with all the hormonal imbalance. You know, as um, you know, Norman Kaplan wrote in a, in a paper in 1989, it's like hyperinsulinemia is the center of the deadly quartet, upper body obesity, hypertriglyceridemia, hypertension, and um, uh, glucose intolerance. And so if we can just get people to start realizing, all right, so the, the more fake carbohydrates I eat, the worse things are going to be. Mm -hmm. So we have this like eating for wellness. Yeah. It's like, Hey, here are some things. And really it's just like, we want to be eat real foods, complex carbs. Yeah. Here's what real foods are. Exactly. And then it comes to the other part of the prescription is, um, so it's eat meats and vegetables, nuts and seeds, some fruit, little starch, no sugar. And then the second part is keep intakes to levels that support exercise, but not body fat. Yeah. No one can, no one's going to argue that they're like, Oh wait, so I need to eat to support what I'm actually doing, but not to get fat. You're yeah. Like, okay. And then if you want to gain, you have to be above. If you want to lose, you have to be below. It's right. very basic. And then there's, there's the, okay, my goal is to, I'm trying to gain weight. And we talk about the, the caloric mm -hmm. value there and the amount of protein, the amount of grams of protein. And there's, there's a lot of different information, but how I usually start nutrition with clients. Mm -hmm. so I said, give me, write a log book, yeah. everything that you eat. Do you don't, ever have clients that are just like, ah, yeah, they just don't, yep. they, that, I, that frustrates the shit out of me. And I struggle with that. That's, that's what I mean. Like you, and I'm sure you've had clients that have undone the hard work that you guys have put in, in the gym, outside of the gym. And that's always been, I've always been curious to pick another yeah. really high level personal trainer's brain about. I always think how about, how you manage that. I always think about it this way. What, you know, you talk about someone's goals. Yeah. The worst thing you can do as a personal trainer or one of the worst things that you can do as a personal trainer is start to care about your clients results more than they can yeah. because then it, it just puts an unwanted pressure on it. And then you start and then we got to start yeah. gaining this frustration. I always think of it as if they weren't coming to me at all, they'd be much worse off. Yeah, of course. And oh, instead of pushing all my clients get results, that's not the yeah. issue. It's just how sometimes I want, they could yeah. be getting better results if mm -hmm. they were following it up outside of the gym, you know? Yeah. And so I get frustrated and it's, it's fun to talk to another trainer about that. I like the micro steps. All right. So for, for, you know, 
for instance, there's a, a guy who worked in like the senior director at Reebok. His name is John Lynch. Okay. And he was drinking like a six pack of soda a day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the first thing, and I think he was working with um, one of our, one of my coworkers, uh, his name is Matt Della Valley. And Matt was like, we're just going to go to four a day. Okay. That's it. We're just going to go four a day. Progress. And then on his own, it was like, well, I'm starting to feel better about this. And then it just kind of like got into that. And then John Lynch was able to see the progress himself and yeah. think, okay, this is, you know, what's incredible at 50 years old. He PR'd his 5k time, mm-hmm. ran as fast as 5k he's ever ran in his life wow. and did his first muscle up. Hell yeah. And he's like, okay, yep. Yeah. This is good. And, and that's it, motivating too, to a client. Yeah. And they see the results quickly. You know what I mean? And that's a big part of it is I, that's what I say to clients. I'm like, give me 90 days. Let's keep, let's do the, the, mm-hmm. you've spent 33 years getting yourself to this point. Give me 90 days, super clean diet, drink a gallon of water a day, get seven hours of sleep. Like, and the, and it's, it can be so much at the, at, at first, but the clients that do that get results so quickly that you don't even have to be on top. And then you can start to reintroduce some of those, those cheat meals. And it's so motivating when they start to see those progress, that progress, but it can be so frustrating when a client doesn't even have the discipline or um, determination to even just give you 90 days of dedication. And, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, I love my job and it's yeah. fun, but people, people make it interesting and people also make it frustrating, you know? And I love my clients and they all get results, but I, it's just fun to like, not like bitch, but it's like, it's fun to pick another tr- mm-hmm. trainer's brain if they have ever run up against these issues either. I could talk about what's been successful for me forever, but I'm always curious to yeah. be like, let's talk about the fun stuff. You know what I mean? Like, how do you manage that? So Mike, so you're saying your, your, your recommendation to other trainers dealing with that would be to, um, take baby steps. Yeah. And, and also make sure that the client wants it Yeah, because you know, you can talk to lead a horse to water. Yeah. You can talk to your blue in the face, but if someone's like, Hey, I want to eat like shit and come in here and just offset it. Drinking. That's what I want. You have young clients. That's the big one for me. I struggle with my young clients, young, old, (laughs) 17, 60 years old. It's like clients in their twenties just don't want to sacrifice those six or seven Friday nights in a row. They just, they, it's like so out of their, their, I'm like, just give me like one month. Just, just try and see how much better you're sleeping, how much better you feel, how much weight you've lost, you know? Cause we all know that the alcohol spikes and crashes your insulin levels. It messes up your sleep and makes you, it's just, it's the number one thing. I think I, I have clients that'll eat super clean, but then Thursday through Sunday they're drinking. And I'm just, like, yeah, <laughs> put dream in the car into reverse. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's so funny, but we're young too. I and mean, like I said, we're, dealing with people we're not dealing with uh we're dealing with people for a living it's, and people are quirky by default man uh, yeah it's also it's like you know what's your what's your what's your favorite do you have a favorite client of all time when i first started coaching and i okay. think this is maybe a testament to the whole like caring about people thing yeah when i first started coaching like i think about some of like the workouts i was programming and some of the things that i had done the lack of actual coaching the actual actual uh, improving human movement yeah from things, but there was this group of moms at this gym when I was still in the Navy at this yeah. gym down in San Diego called CrossFit Del. It was called CrossFit PIA, yeah. CrossFit Players in Action, and CrossFit Del Norte. And just that whole group yeah. of of women in there were just you know of not like it was like it was like herding cats, yeah, getting them to do yeah. the right thing. But they were always just fun and positive. Yeah, yeah. What about you? Oh man, um, my favorite cl- dude. I've trained hundreds probably close to a thousand people in my career, man. Um, my favorite client I've been, so I've been training now going on eight something years and I'm still, there's still clients that I've been with for probably, uh, 
eight years now. So I, one of them that comes to mind just by default for how long we've been together is a guy named Colin. And he's been like, uh, he's a little bit older than me, but I, I really look up to him. And uh, it's cool. You get to build relationships with people and going back to the whole, like, I know his kids' names and what his kids' interests are. And, you know, when I did my fundraiser for Project F, his wife came and she cried when she saw the video. And it's just like, you know, I... I, I, it's those human connections to me that mean so much more than, you know, maxing out, you know, a person's bench press or, you know, I look forward, I'm sure you know this, there's certain people on your schedule when you see, you look forward to training them. And, you know, sometimes there's some you don't, but Colin's definitely one of those people that I don't ever see myself not training him. I hope that, you know, he's a 70 year old man and we're doing chair squats together at some point. You know what I mean? Those clients are the ones that make you want to do what you do for a living, you know? It just reminded me there's a client. Yeah. Um, I don't know if he wants to be referenced on this, but we'll, we'll say his name's Jeff. It okay. actually is, but yeah. I'm going to talk about his last name. He came in, he worked for the company, so at Reebok, he worked for not Reebok, but the company Sedexo yeah. that did the whole cafeteria. Yeah. He found out that like they can start coming over to the gym. This was before we were all one building. He had like the Reebok headquarters, mm-hmm. the basketball court, the traditional gym, and then we were in building five. Yeah. Which was, I mean, it was pretty, things were pretty kosher over there. Like we could get away with murder out there. Yeah. And he comes in and he's like, my daughter's wedding's coming up and I just, I want to like look good for it. I can't fit into my tux. Super motivated, just like awesome. And was like always, always happy. And he was just joining his typical CrossFit class, like the group training. And I remember specifically when he wasn't like, you know, the nutrition, the drinking was something hard for him. We worked on him with it. I don't know exactly how strict he was with it, but. He had lost so much weight that we were doing a, a class that involved uh, double unders, mm-hmm. and he was scaled scaling down to single unders. Um, he'd do a certain amount of attempts and just do single unders, and he lost so much weight that his his shorts fell down, fell onto the Let's floor. Go. Hey, that's a good problem. And I was like, you know, and he turned around and he was like, my shorts. And I, and at first, I wasn't really like, oh, this is so cool because he lost weight. I'm like, pull your pants up. Yeah, pull your. <laughs> You had to take it. Yeah. And, and he just he kicked him yeah. off to the side and, and finished a workout in That's his underwear. And he's like, Hell they yeah. fell off because I lost so much weight. And I was yeah, just like, this is awesome. And, like, and then afterwards, you know, after the wedding, he would always come back to us and be like, you guys are so awesome. You changed my life. And, yeah. that, and it wasn't, it wasn't me. It was like our group training. We had a, a series of coaches. We had you know 500 people that were coming to the gym. We yeah. had seven full-time coaches that was just all this, you know, the, the whole like training environment, but yeah, yeah. Jeff is in that Jeff is awesome. That's awesome. I hope he hears the story. Yeah. That's, that's so great. And there's, you know, there's, there's a ton of stories like that. You get the people who lose a bunch of weight, the people, um, maybe one of my favorite clients is, uh, is, uh, Jordan McIntosh. Okay. Uh, he's a pro lacrosse player, lives in Charlestown. Okay. That's where I live. Shout out to Charlestown. Yeah. Charlestown homies. And that's, uh, I actually got introduced to him through Kevin Miller, who okay. was a Bruins defenseman. Okay. And Jordy had, I call him Jordy. I think Kevin calls him Jordy, but I don't think anyone else calls him Jordy, but I still do. Um, Jordy came by and he had just had like a broken wrist. So he didn't finish the playoffs of his season. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we had just started training from there and I could say, Hey, today, Jordy, you're going to, put your head on the, uh, you're going to put your face on the turf and you're going to do bear crawls up and down. Mm-hmm. And, and as opposed to going, this is the dumbest thing I've ever yeah, heard yeah, of, he just which it is. Those are the best clients though, where they just shut their brain off and yep. do what they're told. Anything as as that sounds, but like those workhorses like that are the ones that when you get them, you're like, this is a good client. When I was in St. Thomas, I, I took a little hiatus from Boston, went down to St. Thomas to work full time. The Caribbean. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And he was like, Hey, I got, you know, 
training. I want to like work up to this years. And I'm like, okay. And a big thing he wanted to improve is his upper body and lower body strength. So mm-hmm. it's like, all right. So we created a template for, you know, linear progression of squat and bench. And like then, a conventional high, low split. Yep. Okay. And then had a, you know, metabolic conditioning workouts in between there. Everything that I wrote down on paper, he did. Yeah. Awesome. Everything. And he wrote down notes. He wrote down his times. He would do everything. Yeah. And I wasn't actually at the time I wasn't really charging much. I'm like, Hey, here's just what I want so that it reminds me to do it yeah. as opposed to being like, oh, I'll write you some stuff. Cause we had worked so close together and then got to the point where we would just work out together. We would just do partner workouts and do all this stuff, but just, just the, tr- this, the person. And that was the same as Ava, the field hockey player. I'm like, here's what we're doing. Here's how hard I want you to go in the first round. Yeah. And it would just be like, okay, yeah. this is going to hurt, but fucking let's go. It's fun with young people too, like Ava and the younger. Mm-hmm. The, and that's one of the things with project F that I'm really excited about too, is it's like, if you instill, you know, if you instill those characteristics that we we're talking about, you know, over the last hour or so, like into these kids, it's, it's really rewarding to see them not only, you know, develop, um, fitness wise, but to de- develop as into young, successful adults. You know what I mean? Like the lessons yeah. and the things that you taught Ava, she'll not just have that, you know, in that season of training, but she's going to carry those characteristics over into her life. And I think that's a really cool thing that we get to do for people. That's one of the biggest things that, um, one of the most rewarding moments of, uh, our career too. And I mean, I can only speak for myself, but when people message you years later saying like, I just want to thank you for being there for me during my divorce, for being there for me when I was, you know, when I had low self-esteem and you helped me lose all that weight, it's like, you realize it's so much deeper than, you know, PRing certain exercises. It's you're helping people become the best version of themselves. And that sticks with people. And it's a really rewarding thing. Like you don't, you may not realize it, but you were glowing when you were talking about your favorite clients. And I think that's one of the greatest, yes, we give an amazing thing to our clients, but you know, we get an amazing gift in return by being able to help those clients with that, with those things. Absolutely. Yeah. I've always, I've always said to people, our job, I've always said people, I'm like, Hey, like I've always been a pretty selfish person in the point that like, I like doing things that make me feel good. Yeah. And I think that's why I love this training world because people are like, Oh, you know, it's giving back. And it's like, it's, Oh yes, but it's also very selfish for me. When, when these things happen and I get that praise, that's a really, really cool thing for yeah. me to experience. Yeah. But if now I can find a route and find an avenue, and I'm pretty self-aware also, yeah. but if I can find an avenue where it's actually mutually beneficial, well, shoot, that's that's a whole lot better than me doing just one thing, me just doing finding something that makes me feel good and it doesn't help anyone else out. Yeah. Uh, and I think with, with Project F, mm. learning or teaching uh, these kids that there's there's positive results that come from from doing hard shit training and 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 a rigorous training program is difficult yeah and these are kids who have seen more trauma than what you say even like like ptsd combat veterans yeah and to teach them that there's a world where one people care about them yeah but two come on the rate of return Mm. on on hard work and then also and we talked about this like early on too uh you know you said Growing up, you you never like felt a purpose. Yeah, no one ever needed you. No. So why would why my would own, you my own parents any value? Yeah, exactly. And that's, I mean, you know, traumatic in itself. But when you when you find an area where you get good at something, mm-hmm. and then you can give that back to someone else, then other people they they need you. Yeah. Or at least that feeling of it being like I'm needed, I'm wanted, I'm pr- providing value, yeah. not to just this person, but to improve the quality of life through many people and actually make this world a better place. Yeah, I don't think there's there's much else that can that can put someone on the right path than that. Yeah, and and you know 
I, like I said, going back to it is I can't think of a more qualified person than people like, you know, yourself and myself to help these kids because it's our world. You know, we teach all that, all, all the character traits, but it, just having that one consistent person is so crucial for these kids. All the research and all the statistics also go on to show, you know, we can list all the, all the statistics that show the likely bad outcomes, but we can also talk about the statistics that show just having one positive male role model in a young man's life completely changes the trajectory of their life for the better. And they're more likely to stay out of prison, stay away from drugs. They're more likely to graduate. They're more likely to seek higher education, find full-time employment, avoid homelessness. Like, you know, the gym and you could, you know, like we've said, all been talking so much about fitness and how beneficial those relationships are. The gym is for these kids, particularly Connor, it's, there's a power shift dynamic where these kids don't have any control in their life and they're either living in group homes or bouncing home to home. And this can be the one consistent place where no matter what home they're living in, no matter what group home they're staying at, no matter how many different foster families they bounce in between, this can be the one consistent place where they know it's theirs. They can go, somebody cares about them. And when they walk through that door, they have total control. Fitness is one of the rare places in life. Gyms are one of the rare places in life where you get back 100% of what you invest into it. And and I can't wait to see, I just, I just can't wait to start this program, man. I'm so excited about it. I'm already, you know, what we need for that is we need money. I'm already walking. I was walking through Beacon Hill today and I found this like small storefront that's for lease right now. And I'm like, fuck, I wish I had the money already to pull the trigger on that space mm-hmm. and, and outfit it. And that's really the, the stage that we're at. And, you know, I'm hoping even just being on this and getting, you know, the the idea for the project out there, it helps. Um, But that's really the stage that I'm at right now is I have the qualifications. The 501c3 has been put through. Um, I've already started talking to DCF. There's over 1,300 kids on a wait list right now waiting for a mentor. So um, what we're going to do is we're going to... we're going to do an interview process. We First and foremost, we have to have the facility. So that's where I'm at is fundraising right now for that. And we had an amazing fundraiser actually at Big Night Live uh, this past Sunday. And we raised like $14,000 in 24 hours, which is amazing. And I'm so happy about it. But there's so much more that we need to raise. And uh, once you know I get the money for that, we can get a location. We can outfit it with a gym, which isn't cheap, as you know. But yeah, man, I just, I I want this so desperately. It's my first and last thought every day when I wake up. And I've done a really cool thing in my career where I've helped a lot of successful young professionals and I've built a really nice life for myself. And now I'm in the stage where I want to go back and give. And I want to show kids that they can come from where we come from and still go on to build an amazing life and still go on to get higher education and open businesses and get degrees and, and make good money and, you know, not end up homeless, not end up incarcerated, not end up on drugs. You know, unfortunately the statistics say that that's the likely outcome. The statistics for foster kids is that they're either more than half of them are going to be either dead in prison or on drugs by the time they're 26 years old. And it's just because nobody is there for them. And I know I can be one of those people that's there for them. Yeah. But we're at that fundraising part where I got to get the money. Yeah. <laughs> so what, what I'll do is we'll put, um, on the link in here, it's, uh, it's the video we were talking about earlier. It's titled foster and it's, uh, it's just kind of Jesse's kind of story, the why behind it. You know, we talk a lot about what, what is going to come next, but, um, if there is someone that you know, that wants to get involved, if there's a, there's areas that you want to donate, we can put to, you know, wherever like the, the GoFundMe. yep, the GoFundMe and the donation to, to get this stuff going. I think it's really unique. I've seen you know, even the even, country's very first nonprofit gym for foster kids and orphans. That's, and that's, it's wild. And I, and I know, I know firsthand 
the ability of, and this is not, this is, I mean, you talked about the incarceration process um, or the incarceration rate. Yeah. We do cross at level one certificate courses inside of prisons. Yeah. That's awesome. And if people will, people will figure out a way to sign up and take the course. It's not like a course that they get to do for free, which people, you know, just get bent out of shape about. We post one video on CrossFit.com about like these, you know, like level one. They're like, well, I do this and that. And they've already created, and they're like, relax. Yeah. But the rate of when people now have something they can do Mm. and even in prison helping others train and then get out and get this second shot to go to an affiliate and say, Hey, I'd like to come coach and help here. Yeah. Um, amazing programs like that. Amazing programs like Phoenix multi-sport where people are in recovery. Yep. If you, if you're sober for 24 hours, you can go there and essentially train. Yeah. And I know about Phoenix. uh, I think that's such a great program. And it's, it's, you know, that is front of mind to me because I know the people that do it. Yeah. But when I talk about like the foster, you know, yeah. foster care and inner city and, weightlifting, you know, inner city weightlifting. Yeah. You talk, so told me about that. Kind of like the same idea. It's a nonprofit gym that works with individuals coming out of um, prison or uh, are likely offenders. It's former gang involved or uh, they're just considered the most uh, um, at one point, they're like the most likely to commit violent crimes and, and, uh, the founder of it got the list of it and started inviting them to work out. And now it's this big program. I know they get uh, tons of government funding and I know the Patriots just gave them like a hundred thousand, the Patriot foundation gave them a hundred thousand dollars and they, they, they've, they're kind of doing, it's my program's different because it's not adults that have, you know, due to systemic racism or injustices or what have you have made bad decisions. And now they're trying to help us. It's like, we're trying to prevent these kids from going down that route. Yeah. We're talking about children. We're talking about orphans, kids that are victims of horrible lifestyles due to no fault, no fault of their own. We're trying to not be a response to homelessness or incarceration or drug use. We're trying to prevent them from going down that route. Root cause. Yes, exactly. Getting to them before, before they end up another statistic. Mm -hmm. And I'm just so pumped and I can't wait, man. And you got to be a part of it. Yeah. You're the man, dude. (laughs) I don't know about that, but in any way that I can help and and hopefully help influence. And and like you said before, the goal isn't to help one person. The goal is to help a whole lot of people. But if all of, if all of our efforts in this, all of your efforts allow one person who wouldn't have yeah. followed you your route yeah. to, to find success in this life. If one person stays out of jail and ends up going down this route of whether it's training, whether it's college, whether it's any other route, yeah. but just to get another chance of success, I think that's worth it. And, and it's a cool, it's a cool concept too. I remember we were talking about it the other day over lunches. It's like, okay, so say I get government funding and grants and I get private donations like I'm raising right now and eventually corporate donations like, you know, Microsoft and all, whatever, Patriots, whoever. Um, so now say I have 10 kids that I'm working with just my, on my own. Right. And two or three of them express interest in becoming going the route that I did, right. And becoming certified personal trainers. Now I can get these kids certified. I can let them apprentice underneath me. I can get them involved. I get, I can get them into higher education. I can help them study all that fun stuff, help get them into their career, into their career fields. Now there's four of me, right? So now I can have 
clients coming in and working with these kids. So going back to keeping these kids off the street, finding them full-time work, giving them a higher sense of purpose and community, like automatically just by being a gym-based program, we can help these kids find a career path, stay off the streets, help them find housing, like all of that stuff, just by doing what the whole point of the program is anyways, which is being that one person and teaching them the gym and fitness. And next thing you know is very scalable, right? Because Boston's not the only city where there's orphans and where there's foster kids. It's all over the country. There's close to half a million right now. And I actually was talking to somebody at DCF the other day. They said they've never taken in, they've never gotten more, they've never had more kids coming in in one time than they do now post pandemic. And I asked why that was. And she said, do you know who the number one reporter of child neglect and child abuse is? And I said, no. And they said, school teachers, do you know where kids haven't been the last two years? in school. So the, the, the primary reporters now haven't been able to highlight all the things that have been going on at home. And we know domestic abuse is up. We know alcoholism's up. We know all this fallout from the pandemic has now, we already had a huge issue with the foster care system, but now they're being overrun with new cases. And there's still a list of thousands of kids waiting for help. And I just want to be that person so desperately. And I'm so excited to use my two things, my, which is foster care and fitness and merge them together and create something really really special that's super scalable in every city could this isn't going to be just a boston thing connor this is going to be something we can expand to providence new york hartford and all the way down the east coast and all the way to la this is a problem that we have and people always say somebody should do something about it and that's what i'm trying to do with project f Someone wants to reach out to you directly. How do you want them to contact? Email, Instagram? They can go to my Instagram, which is just my name, Jesse Sitaro, J-E-S-S-E-S-E-T-A-R-O. That's what I'm using right now. It's what I'm getting most of my messages and donations and things through. Uh, My story's up there. So one issue that I came into that I didn't realize until after the fundraiser is I posted the 15 the 15 minute video onto my Instagram telling my story. Um, but what I didn't realize is that my video is actually 15 minutes and 53 seconds long. So it cut off the last part, which I feel was like the most, uh, uptoned and inspiring positive part of the video. Yeah. So, um, but my GoFundMe is linked in my bio and the entire video is in there. Um, and you can find out my, why it just kind of tells my story of growing up in foster care and living in group homes and kind of being forgotten and how fitness saved my life. And, uh, then the end, I really get into talking about, you know, kind of what we're talking about now is how there's kids in the, in the system that could really benefit from having a mentor and why I feel like I'm the qualified one to fix that and, and to help there. And, uh, I'm just, dude, I'm so pumped about it. It's such a, it's, it's, it's not an experiment for me. It's what I want to do with the rest of my life. I'm still going to train clients. I mm-hmm. love, I love yeah. being a trainer in case you haven't talked, picked up <laughs> on it for the last 40 minutes. Right. Um, but I mean, there's kids out there that are hurrying and I want to help bro. That video is incredibly inspiring. We'll put it, I mean, this will be on YouTube. We'll have the link on there as well. Um, And shout out to Devin Collado for putting that together for me. We actually, what you don't know is that we recorded like 17 hours worth of footage. And I think I mentioned this to you and I gave him the tough job of uh, trying to, I said this to you in the hallway of make a video explaining my why, because people will connect to that more than just a QR code, but, um, not making it like a trauma dump. And so we went back to my hometown. I got asked to give a speech to the, to a high school class. I got, you know, I reconnected with Josh, which is in the video that you saw. Mm -hmm. Um, but I also reconnected my high school football coach. I reconnected with my favorite teacher growing up who just donated a good amount of money. And it's, um, it's just been really, it was a really cool thing, but there's so much more footage to come. And I'm so excited to have people, 
you know, following this journey and, and essentially be founding members and help get this thing up. And they're not just going to be changing these kids' lives. They're going to be people that donate and help me get this program started are going to be changing changing every generation of those kids that come after because you're not if you help one kid that affects generation after generation if you could stop one kid from going down the path of homelessness addiction incarceration that changes not just that kid's life but every generation that comes after them and there's thousands of kids i know i can help man i love that i love the passion i yeah, love I'm it pumped. I'm so Whether, you know from the fitness side of things just I'm to be able in. to give back in that yeah i love that that's the only way to be yeah, I'm all in, man. As uh, we say here, no half dicking. No half dicking, babe. We're gonna we're gonna do this, and it's gonna be awesome. Hell yeah, I love that. Um, like you said, you've got uh, Jesse's Instagram. Um, if oh, you yeah. have any questions um, for us, you know, you guys can always reach out to at Big Night Fitness um, or my own at Connor T Murphy. Mm-hmm. Uh, send us a message. We can connect and we can uh, give you as much or as little information as you want on it and going down that route. I think feel like we could sit here for hours and hours talking about it, but yeah. Um, you know, kind of like last thoughts here. I first want to say thank you so much for coming on. And I think your story is incredibly inspiring and people can not just find motivation, but kind of see, see a side of things that isn't really highlighted. See something that's, that's a major, major issue in a broken system and hopefully start to, to turn the tide on that. Yeah. And going back to one more time, just like one final thing is if you care about homelessness, if you care about, um, Uh, marginalized populations if you care about racism the lgbt community all these populations are dis are 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 disproportionately um represented in the foster care community and and if you care about you know uh, substance abuse you care about all the things we've been talking about for the last hour then you care about foster kids because they're statistically more likely to end up in those pop in those populations there's another alarming statistic I, i saw the other day it said that you know my my the population of um uh, kids that I want to work with are teenage boys. And that's because what happens is when people adopt and foster, they want little girls first, little boys, then they want teenage girls. And then it's teenage boys are the last to actually ever get help. And so that's why I really specifically want to work with that. But even like the girls, which I'm not going to be working with, I read a statistic the other day that said 65% of people found females being found human trafficked have spent some sort of time in the foster care system. And that 80% of people on death row right now have spent some sort of time in the foster care system you're talking about the most marginalized populations in our society and it's directly impacted by foster care. And if I want to get in there and help those kids before they, their life ends up that way and and we owe it to society. It's not just, um, you know, when a person's unable to take care of themselves in a good society, the society steps in and helps, you know, and, and you know, my mentor, I asked my mentor, Josh, about what made him want to do this. And he talked about, post Columbine how everybody knew that these kids that were you know that ended up committing that they were being bullied they were outsiders in society you know and people then after the fact always say oh somebody should have stepped in why didn't anybody do anything and you know when certain populations of people are so marginalized if you don't step in and help society will pay the price later on and I don't want to and I want to get in there and just help these kids before you know, before they end up as another statistic. Yeah. And, um, we'll, uh, you know, down the road, I want to get you back on here and talk about like the progress of, yeah. of everything going on with project F yeah. and, um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not just wish you the best of luck, but I'm hoping to, to be a part of it and to continue yeah. to give back because, you know, fitness is our passion. It's given us so much. Is it to be able to give that to, to someone, especially a group is what you say. So, you know, so marginalized and, and kind of like highlight the statistics is, is awesome. But 
again, brother, thanks for coming on the show, Thank man. Thank you for having me. You're the man, bro. We appreciate it. And uh, if you guys have any questions, as you know, always feel free to reach out, drop a comment on the, on YouTube. We'll always get back to you. But uh, we will, uh, we'll catch up with you guys next week. Thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you very much for having me. It's been a great time. And uh, keep killing it. I really, like I said, I look up to you. You're well-known in, in the community. And um, thank you for having me. It means no, likewise, brother. <laughs> All you. right. See you guys.